Here's a question. How does an ordinary person land their dream job in the sports industry immediately after graduating? Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I'm Ruben Williams. And I'm Ryan Walker. In 2017, we said goodbye to exams and hello to full-time work. This is a behind-the-scenes reveal of exactly how the best sports industry professionals in the world created careers that most only dream of. We believe every dream job in sport is worth chasing, and that's why we want to give you the tools to make it a reality. For a proven process to getting jobs in sport, download our free ebook. How to Get Jobs in Sport, The Sports Grad Method. You can get this for free at www.sportsgrad.com.au. Hello and welcome to The Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and as always, I'm joined by the back-to-back-to-back Premiership supporter and currently supporter of the 15th best AFL team, Ruben Williams. How are you today, my friend? I'm fantastic, Ryan. I'm very excited to be talking to a staffer from the Mighty Hawthorne Football Club. Thank you for mentioning those three premierships in a row. I'm sure we'll be back to those heights in in no time at all. Yeah, no, that's cool. I I thought I'd just mention, obviously, great success, former success of the club. Um, Would have been some great, great days back in the day. Um, Currently sitting at 15th on the ladder, so I'm sure it's not quite. Still the day. Still the day. Yeah. Um, no, nah, anyway, um, awesome guest on today in Katie Reid. Um, let's have a quick chat to start. W- what was some interesting points that you, you, you thought came out of the interview? Yeah, Caitlin was fantastic to talk to. And she, there's so much that people can learn from her and gain insight on the application process and what the mind of an HR person, uh, what's going on in the mind of an HR person. One of the really interesting things that she talked about was why potential longevity is such a key thing that they look out for um, and is also a key thing that we talk about too in terms of the sports grad method to getting jobs in sport. A lot of it lends itself to, you know, your potential to be a really connected and skilled individual that's going to lend themselves to an, to an organisation for a period of, you know, five to six years plus. So it was awesome to hear how that's a strategic consideration um, for her as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was awesome to to hear. Um, and just that idea about the potential longevity is something we haven't really discussed so far. So that was really interesting to hear from her. I think one thing that I really loved about this chat was just going through the fundamentals of a standout resume, but also some of the best interview advice um, that you can take away. And I think this was one of the, the one of the best podcasts we've done that gives students just some actionable stuff that just write down and have in your back pocket that you can just go away and do. She is so insightful with what um, what a good resume looks like and what are the key things that she's looking for in interviews and applications. So just grab a pen because there's there's so there's so much beef. To the fundamentals, which is great from Katie. So, yeah, anyway, like this isn't one to listen in the car, Ryan. You want to you want to be at home at your desk for this episode. Yeah, uh, I will say, Rubes, and a shout out to my mother who actually listens to these in the car. Um, so, Mum, I know you're probably listening to this right now, but you need to be listening to this at the desk in front of a laptop with a notepad out. So, anyway. We we have to shout out to our mums every now and again, Rubes. Great, uh, great friend is, of the show, Joe Walker. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what is um the, the last piece you you took away? 
Yeah, yeah. The last, so the last piece that I thought was incredible to find out was why it's genuinely important to please a recruiter at every single stage and make it as easy as possible for them and the impact that that genuinely has because, you know, when you meet them face-to-face, you realize, you know, they're not robots and the people that you are sending your application off to are not robots. They're people who want to, you know, have an easy job or, you know, make the job as easy as possible or streamline as simple as possible. So if you can help that by any way, shape or form, then you're going to put yourself at the top of that list as, as Katie mentioned and she gave some really good ways that, you know, you can do your research to improve that for yourself. Awesome. Well, enjoy this chat. Grab a pen, uh, Katie Reid, who is the People and Culture Advisor at the Mighty Hawthorne Football Club is coming up. Katie, welcome to the Sports Grade Podcast. Thanks, Ryan. So great to be here chatting with you guys. Katie, when we usually chat to people in their homes, the quality of the sound isn't that great because not everyone's always got access to a microphone like we do. However, you're sounding uh, impeccable through the headset tonight. Do you want to tell us about what you've got on? Sure. So I'm very fortunate. Um, my partner, Sam, is really into his gaming. He's got a, a pretty um, good setup here at home and he's got a number of different headsets. So um, when I mentioned to him that I was joining you guys tonight um, to chat through kind of my journey up until this point, he was more than obliging to let me use one of his headsets. So um flicked him a message and said, oh, I'm going to need to use one of your, your, your sets tonight. And he said, oh, I'll give you the good pair, the Astro pair. So um, I'm looking fabulous. Think I could take up a career in gaming at this point. Um, got the nice little microphone coming across. So yes, I'm very lucky to have um, my partner services in terms of the, the headset. <laughs> so, um, it's certainly like user-friendly. You know, you, I'm personally using the the Apple, the, the, the headphones with cords, which is weird. Um, and it, takes quite a bit of maintenance. You've got the mouthpiece and the earmuffs over, which is quite high tech. So you've taken the award for most technically advanced guests we've had on the podcast so far. Well, I'm very excited to take that title. Might add that to the resume, I think. And a shout out to our friends at Astro Headphones as well. They'll be listening, no doubt. Katie, you've made it from a, a small town about an hour outside of Melbourne in, in Pearsdale to then launch your career at Australia's oldest football club in the Melbourne Demons. And now you're at the most successful team in the last 50 years in the AFL in the Hawthorne Football Club, the mighty Hawthorne Football Club, might I add. How did you end up here combining a career in HR and sport? Yeah, it's um, it's certainly been a journey, um, a bit of a ride um, since my my growing up in Pearsdale. So, um, I suppose I'll take you back um to where it all began. So, um, I had a really fortunate childhood. I grew up on four acres. Um, had two brothers. I was always playing outside, riding motorbikes, and just generally running amok. Um, always loved sport and and AFL. Like a lot of families, was quite predominant in my household. Um, I was a born and bred Richmond supporter. Um, both of my brothers played for. Pearsdale 
Hearstyle, our local club. So I spent most of my childhood um, and Saturdays and weekends watching my brothers play football. I actually ran water once upon a time for my brothers when they played. I think it was under 18s they were playing in. And then when I was old enough, I started to play um, for the netball team um, for Pearsdale, what we call kind of footy netball. So we follow the, the footy around um, and play the netball team. So um, as I said, yeah, really fortunate childhood and, and always had a passion um, for sport like a lot of people do. Um, in terms of, I suppose, school, um, I did really well in year 12. I got um, re- great results and got into my preference at uni, which was sports management. Um, but I just wasn't sold on jumping into full-time study. I, I really still had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I just didn't feel like uni was the right next step for me. Um, I was working at KFC at the time and because I'd turned 18, those shifts started to disappear and I became too expensive. So I was really just looking on SEEK um, one day and I came across the, a traineeship at Melbourne um, Football Club as a retail and administration trainee through AFL Sports Ready and was you know instantly excited and kind of consulted and, and collaborated with um, a couple of my mentors at the time to submit an application and was lucky enough to be selected as a sex- successful candidate and um, had my first day with the club on the 1st of Feb 2016 um, and I guess that's where my journey in sport began so um, I spent 18 months as a trainee um, with the club so um, retail and admin that really is kind of predominantly working in the shop so um, managing shop operations working on match days doing online orders um, answering inquiries etc I was also really lucky during my time to step into a kind of reception role for a period of time when we had someone leave Um, and then also coming towards the end of my traineeship, I kind of stepped into the merch manager position. Our merch manager at the time was promoted internally, so that was a a really great um, character building time for me, kind of learnt a lot about um, business in general, how to manage staff. how to manage relationships with stakeholders and suppliers. So that was a, at the time, it was really challenging, um, but it was certainly something I reflect on now and and, and really grateful for that time. Coming to the end of my traineeship, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do still. Um, I knew that retail was probably not where I saw my career progressing. I was really lucky. I had a great relationship with the HR manager at the time and just kind of worked with her and setting up a, a bit of a development plan, which kind of saw me, I suppose, experience a range of different areas across the club. So um, had some spent some time with our events team, um, community team, in our commercial team, and then also um, in our HR team. And from there, really found that HR was what I loved. And so coupled with some good timing and hard work, uh, a role became available within the HR team at Melbourne as I came to the end of my traineeship. So worked part-time um, in the HR team for about six months and then was lucky enough to be offered um, a full-time role. Um, within the HR team. So I um, kind of predominantly started as, as an administrator, so kind of those operational tasks, helping um, you know respond to inquiries, um, managing our employee relations or, or information system, um, and then move to a coordinator position about, I suppose, 18 months on from that. So my predominant remit um, I, in my time at Melbourne was managing the recruitment, onboarding and induction um, function of the HR space. Um, also did a lot of health and wellbeing um, initiatives, a lot of compliance as well, um, employer relations, etc. Um, so I spent about three and a half years in the HR team at Melbourne, um, worked with some really, really great people and, and two people in particular um, who I'm still really close with um, from the D's. 
Um, and then COVID happened. Um, and like many, many people um, across not only Victoria and the AFL industry, but kind of broader to that um, on an international scope, my role was impacted. So um, I was reduced down to a couple of days a week um, at Melbourne during COVID and then was informed um, kind of post that. I suppose, key lockdown period that my role wouldn't return to full time. So at that point, it was probably the push that I needed. Um, I'd been having some conversations over the last 12 months um, with my manager, Jess, about what the next step looked like for me. Um, I probably had identified that it wasn't going to be at Melbourne and that I should probably start to look to see what was out in the market. So um, it was probably about August of 2020 when I started to, to kind of really have a look and apply for some jobs um, out you know, on the big bad world that we call outside of the AFL industry. Um, and then I was really lucky. I had established a great relationship um, with Michelle Nolan, who's the general manager of people and culture at the Hawks. And um, she had an opening in her team and, and reached out to me and we um, got chatting from there and kind of went through a process. And six months later, here I am. So for um, for students out there who may not be familiar with what sort of a people and culture advisor does, what what is involved in, in the role? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a pretty fancy title um, for saying that we manage HR. Um, so we like to use the word people and culture. It's much more um, millennial and, and up to up to date with the trends. So um, in essence, my role is kind of supporting employees throughout the entire employee life cycle. So um, my role is what we call a generalist role in HR speak, meaning that I have touch points across the whole function. So um, things that I do, I suppose, on a weekly basis, um, don't like to speak in days terms because things, no two days are the same and things always are kind of popping up and changing. So really it is advising employees on any queries they might have, um, operational support, so things like contracts, letters, policies and reporting. Um, Again, recruitment, onboarding, induction forming a major part of my role. I also manage our internal intern program, um, work on HR projects. For example, I'm currently working on rolling out a new HR information system, which is really exciting. Um, also work in, and kind of dabble in a bit of health and well-being. So we're, we're currently rolling out our 2021 program, um, things like employer relations, so offboarding, any issues, performance management. Uh, and then there's also a bit of integrity stuff that comes along with working in the AFL, which is probably quite unique to our industry. So um, lots of compliance activities, especially back to the AFL um, in terms of club policies and, and, and then employment legislation as well. Um, And then I suppose a bit broader to that, um, just supporting Michelle in um, delivering our strategic objectives. So things like our reconciliation action plan, diversity and inclusion, and kind of all the bits and pieces that come along with that. Two weeks ago, I took a lost dog to the local vet. So my role is quite varied. Um, No two days are ever the same. And you kind of um, help out where you can and pitch in um, when there's any questions. And and generally, if people don't know the answer to something, HR is your first port of call, like with the lost dog a couple of weeks ago. Gosh, I wish I was taking lost dogs to the vet. My job. That sounds like a great use of time. <laughs> Katie, for, for students who are yet to apply for a full-time job, can you share share with them the start-to-end process of hiring applicants so they can get a sense of what it is that they'll be going through? Yeah, absolutely. It probably varies um, slightly from organisation to organisation. Um, I suppose in my experience, it's probably T. Um, 10 key steps within it. So um, essentially, we go through the motions internally, um, determining that we've got a new role available, whether it's someone that's left or it's a new role that's become available through um, strategic objectives. Um, We then work internally to create a job description and then also um, we advertise on, on our channels such as Seek Club website and AFL website. 
Um, we generally have an advert open for about a, two weeks or so. Um, throughout that period, we do screening. So um, screen through all the applicants that come through. Um, I then long list a, a group. So anyone who I feel is um, meeting our criteria um, in terms of the job requirements. And then when it comes to kind of the job closing, I, I then create a short list. So kind of color my long list even even further and then provide that to our hiring manager to review. The hiring manager reviews the shortlist um, and then they send me back their preferences for an interview. Um, then I do some phone screening as well just to kind of vet that everyone we're bringing through is really aligned to what we're after. Then we do some interviews. So generally it's first and second rounds and sometimes a third. Um, and then prior to an offer, we always do reference checks. So calling um, the references that people have listed on their resumes or, or requesting those as required. Um, and then we kind of move into the, the offer and onboarding stage. So offers can include, you know, negotiating salaries, start dates, employment terms, etc. Um, and then once that's all confirmed, we've got a start date, then we move into kind of the onboarding and induction phase. It really is quite a process, isn't it? Like when you when you hear it, hear you spell it out like that, it's kind of like, wow! It, it's not just as simple as, oh yeah, that there's a job there. Let's just find someone. Like it, it's quite difficult when you really spell it out. Yeah, there's there is quite a bit to it, and that's quite high level in terms of the things that we do. Um, not to kind of mention all of the conversations that happen internally in and around who the best candidate is, why we think they're the best candidate, um, are they aligned? There's a there's a kind of a lot of review that I suppose happens prior to, to someone receiving an offer, and a lot of work that goes on in the background. I love recruitment. Um, it's my favourite part of the kind of HR function in that I get to meet with um, hundreds and hundreds of people every kind of year and. Um, get to know people and build connections and networks and um, really give people the opportunity to live out their dreams and in, in, in coming into a football club and, and kind of landing their dream role. You can, you can um, start to appreciate why it's so important and why you would want to get it right because it does take a, a long time. And so I'm guessing the dream person for you is someone who's going to be really invested and connected to what they're doing so that they stick around for, you know, five to six years so that you're not going through the process for the same position every 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. We really do have that longevity kind of um, perspective when we go through recruitment processes. So we want to bring the best people in, of course, but we also need to look long term. In, in And I suppose how this person will serve us, not only in this role, but how we can see them developing across the organisation. How do we, you know, succession plan for them? How do we include them in, in the way that we operate in a strategic um, way? So it really is not just those interviews, it's thinking long term, you know, what's the dynamic going to be within the team? Um, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Where are we going to, you know, identify any gaps and how are we going to train that person to, to reach their full potential? So, a lot of it goes into it. It's not just recruitment. It really is that kind of talent identification and, and their broader planning um, post that phase as well. Katie, Katie what, are the, what are some of the elements in your eyes that indicate a person's longevity? Um, it's a really good question. I think it, it really comes down to drive and determination and passion to succeed. I really like it when someone can articulate um, what their goals are. They don't need to know what role they want to be in in the next five years or, or even two years, but just having an, an understanding of how they see their career progressing. Um, I think it is really about the type of person and character that you are. So, 
when I think about longevity, um, I really think back to our core values and whether they're aligned to those values. So that's probably the first um, point of call. You know, we, we of course, a good experience, but it's also about how's this person going to come in and, and if not only align to our values, but make us better people and make the people around them better as well. So um, it really does kind of come down to someone's ability to identify what that what that next step looks like and again we don't all have the answers and I certainly couldn't tell you what I think I'm going to be doing in five years time so um, but it is just about the the kind of self-reflection piece and, and understanding what they can contribute but also what we can kind of provide to them to ensure that they can reach their goals as well. Katie, uh, Hawthorne recently offered 10 internship positions for university students what did the successful candidates do well to, to sort of stand out and, and win these positions? Yeah, it's an excellent question. I've been yeah really lucky um, to see and, and work on this internship and bring it to life. So we initially had about 10 positions, but we've now got, I think, just over 25 interns joining us across all um, programs of the club. So admin, AFL, BFLW. So it's been quite incredible um, the number of students that we're going to have come in and join our Hawthorne family um, over the next kind of 12 months or so. I suppose when I when I think about successful candidates, what I love um, in an interview is someone who can offer examples um, and uh, you know prepared in a way that they can also elaborate on those, but also um, can stick to the topic and not go down rabbit holes. And, and what I mean about that is not going off track, um, staying on track with the type of conversation that we're having or the example that they're giving. Um, they're aligned to our values. Um, those core values are really really important to us, as I mentioned before. Um, and then it's also just about being warm and enthusiastic in, in the way that you kind of approach your interview. So um, these things are just as small as making eye contact, um, smiling, showing your excitement and passion um, while still being professional. Um, something that I also really love is when candidates do their research. Um, so making sure they have an understanding not only of what they're potentially walking into or the role they're applying for, but also the broader organisation, how we operate, what's our, what are our goals, what are we hoping to do in the next 20 years um, and how does that relate to your goals? So that's something that I find um, really great to kind of see when I'm speaking to people. And um, I think if you can have not only a personal connection, but also be able to expand on your experience and really talk to it, that's I'm going to set you up to be really successful. Katie, I actually had an experience probably four years ago uh, where I applied for a facilitator internship as part of the Looking After Me program that the Hawks run. And one of the key parts of it was that you had to do a presentation about how you met the club's values. And so it became very clear that like, all right, this is an organization that's hiring based on these very specific traits that they want everyone to be aligned to, which I thought was, was awesome just from my general point of view but then also being a massive Hawthorne fan I thought great the club's doing excellent things to get the best people involved. Yeah absolutely it's certainly a focus of ours and um, continues to be as we move forward and I think in a world where recruitment especially within the sporting industry is so competitive a lot of people we have apply have got really similar experience or, or skill sets so where we can find people that align or stand out um, in terms of our values that's all kind of the the important part when we come to, to bringing in the best people and making sure that we can operate in a way that serves us to reach out, not only, of course, our business objectives, but also so that we've got good people in the organisation and that the environment that people work in is values-driven, but it's fun, it's harmonious, people get along, people feel safe and stable and um, whilst they're challenged, of course, um, but also just creates that kind of really um, enjoyable experience for an employee. So, Katie, what, what do you think a, an ideal resume 
that or an ideal resume that you've seen and, and you love, what should that include? What What are the key parts that you're looking for? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, love this question. So, for me, a resume ideally is on one page. It should be no more than two pages. Otherwise, um, pretty quickly, your recruiter um, will lose interest. So, um, essentially, the most important thing that you can do to your resume is make sure the information that is on there is relevant to the job that you're applying for. So, um, for example, on my resume, I've had um, probably three or four jobs when I was growing up. I don't go into detail about those. I speak about the ones that are relevant to the position that I applied for at Hawthorne, for example. So, um, making sure that your experience is the first thing that's listed on your resume. Um, for example, my resume, as I mentioned, the two kind of previous roles and, the, and what I'd done previously kind of sits below that as other experience. Um, to the side, I've got um, my contact details, um, my education, so that the types of courses or studies that I've completed. Um, and then I've also just got a little section that summarizes my skill set. So, sharp, straight to the point, don't put information in there that's not necessary. Um, I, a really important part about your resume, so as I said, that information needs to be relevant. So have a look at the job ad. What are the keywords that are coming up? What kind of qualities or all types of experience do we want to see? And how can you work that in to kind of stand out on your resume? And whilst we need to maintain um, being truthful, um, we don't want people to lie on their resumes, how can you talk about your experience in a way that relates to this job? What are your transferable skills? And, and, and what type of person um, are you going to present yourself as? So um, clean sharp, short, um, straight to the point. Um, if you can keep it to a page, it would make um, a lot of recruiters very happy. Katie, one thing I'm hoping you can help me put an end to is people writing on their resumes proficient in Microsoft Office. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone's ever going to be winning a job because they're proficient at Microsoft Office. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, straight to the top of my shortlist. I can use Word. <laughs> I have the ability to use it. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, there's far greater things that you could probably done that are worth talking about. So, what about um, um what about photos on resume? What, what what's your thoughts there? I love a photo on a resume because um, if I you don't have one, I'll just search you on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. I think it's just aesthetically aesthetically. Um, appealing to the eye and it catches your eye if someone's got a you know a burst of color or a photo on the side um, you kind of more instantly engage you can create a bit more of a personal connection um, it's of course not completely necessary um, absolutely not um, but as I said I probably will search you on LinkedIn anyway um, but yeah don't mind a photo on the resume I used to have one uh, I've removed it now I got some some feedback from someone that said why do you have a why do you have a photo on your resume um, oh, really? it, it, was, it, was so a fr- it was a friend of mine, just to make that clear yeah. for everyone. Uh, <laughs> and I've kind of just thought about it since. I was like, they're probably going to find me on LinkedIn anyway. So, yeah, probably saves a bit of room because I do want it to be that one page, obviously. Uh, so, if you're yeah. tight for room, don't put the photo on. But it is actually quite helpful um, when we're recruiting a number of different roles or meeting with you know a good number of candidates. It's actually nice that when you kind of go down to, to get someone and bring them into the interview room, you know who you're looking for. Um, yeah. So, it does make that a little bit easier when it comes to the time of interview. But if you're crunching for space on the CV, don't put a photo on. <laughs> Easily removed. What's uh, what's some interview advice that you would give your younger self? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I think um, the most important thing is don't be, don't try to be someone that you're not. Um 
it should be a process where you can present yourself in the best kind of way, but you shouldn't also be kind of straying from who you truly are at heart. And I think something that's really important is just to be confident um, in who you are. And I know this can be, you know, quite challenging for, for young people. And um, you go through a number of interview processes and you might get knocked back a number of times and the confidence probably takes a bit of a hit. Um, but it's really important to just stick true um, to who you are. Don't be afraid to laugh, smile, and don't take yourself too seriously. Be professional, but also still be warm and, and relatable. Um, and I think as well, something that is probably really important to pull out is that interview processes shouldn't be terrifying. Um, yes, no, some level of nerves is good. It means you're caring, you're committed to the process, but um, they shouldn't be terrifying. So don't let them terrify you. Um, be confident, walk into the room, know what you want to talk about um, and really present in a way that, that people can not only see the types of experiences that you've had, but also relate to you as a person. I think that's where um, potentially some people fall down as they focus too much on that kind of professionalism, which is, of course, really important. Um, but there's also a level of um, humanity that we need to see um, in candidates as well. Katie, one of our sports grad members, Nathan Peroni, actually borrowed a couple of ideas from our podcast to use in his interview, which was ended up being successful at the Hawthorne Football Football Club for one of those twenty five positions. Uh, one, it's great to actually hear that you know the content we're putting out there is is slightly valuable, and two, why is it important that your interns are, are coming up with these ideas to implement? and not just performing the tasks that management hand down once they get there? Yeah, it's um, a great question again. Uh, I think Nathan started, his, the first day was um, Monday. So um, great to have Nathan on board um, helping out with our Box Hill Hawks in the commercial space. So I suppose something um, that we really value is innovation and proactiveness. So um, we don't want to see things just continuing to be done the way they've always been done. Um, ask questions. We want people to understand the reasons why things are done that way. And if they're done in a certain way and you don't think it should be, tell us why not and, and show us a different way or a different path. So, um, you know, showing your ability to, to think outside the box really sets you aside from other people and it shows not only your keenness to learn but also your critical thinking skills and then ability to elaborate on any learnings that you might have had over your experience. So, um, you know, one of our, our values or, or behaviours that sit under our values is innovation and proactiveness. So, we really value um, when people are keen to learn and keen to adapt and, and build on the success that we've already had and kind of bring that forward in a new way. Katie, I believe Nathan actually had a chat to Ruse before going into his interview and and then Ruse, when, when you found out, obviously, Katie was part of the panel, you, you messaged her and put in a good word for Nathan. So, Katie, people ask us, can you recommend me for a job like all the time? Ruse probably gets a few messages every week. But in the eyes of the person hiring, does that sort of outside reference have much influence in your decision making? Yeah, it does. I think in the past, it probably weighed a little bit heavier. Um, but what I really value is someone reaching out to me um, because I think there's a really key difference in networking and relationships. So, um, networking's you, you kind of create connections, but you don't necessarily um, build relationships from them. So, that's something that's really important. So, um, I love it when people reach out to me on LinkedIn and message and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this role? I'm thinking about applying. Is my skill set suited? Do you have time for a coffee? And I don't always, um, but always love to see people reaching out. 
Um, we do have hundreds of applicants, so it can be hard um, to stand out. So, um, yes, it certainly does help when I saw um, Rubes' message about Nath um, coming to, to have an interview. He certainly gets put you know, names certainly get put to the top of a list, so they become someone to look out for. Um, but again, I think it really falls back to the candidate or, or the student in that in that instance in, in making sure that you actually go to the effort of reaching out to that recruiter or addressing the recruiter. So, for example, in a cover letter, if you know who's hiring for that role, you know who the HR representative is, um, who is managing that program or, or that role in, in recruitment process, address it to them. Um, it means that you've done your research, you understand who the person is that you might be speaking speaking to or addressing something to and um, whilst it is important to have connections um, it's relationships that will take you to the next level. Katie it wasn't too long ago that you went through the process to get the job at the Hawthorne Football Club. What elements do you think you performed really well in that our listeners could adopt? Yeah, I think, um, as I was saying before about my the advice to my younger self, I was honest. Um, I was myself, warm, enthusiastic. That's kind of my personality anyway. Um, direct, but also elaborate with my answers and didn't go down those rabbit holes or, or go off track. I did my research on who I was meeting with, so made sure I understood their position within the club, their tenure, what roles had they, you know, been through if they'd progressed, where had they been previously, is there any um, education or courses that they've done that interests me, can I ask them a question about that? So understanding who you're speaking to, their background and how they um, may interrelate with your role but also how they help the business achieve their goals. Um, and I think as well, it's really important to show your keenness to learn. Um, I can identify that I'm certainly not an expert in every area of HR, but I'm keen to learn and I, and I understand what my gaps are and I, and I really want to fill them. So um, even though I mightn't be well-versed in something, um, it certainly doesn't mean that you can't be. So I think that kind of falls back to the honesty piece as well in that identifying your strengths, but also having enough self-awareness and, and some time to reflect to identify some areas that might be of development or that you might not be very well-versed in. So um, just important to, to be you. Um, is probably the most important part and, and, and those answers in terms of di- being direct and elaborate but but not going off track. Finally, Katie, and this is a question we probably we love to ask um, a lot of our guests, but what is your number one piece of advice for job hunters that you can leave our listeners with today? Oh, I don't have one. I got about five. <laughs> Five will do. Um, <laughs> relationships first, so really, really important. Make sure if you're building a network, um, you follow through, you maintain the relationship, you go to the effort in, in, in making sure that you stay connected with that person. So, you know, it's one thing to have a connection with someone on LinkedIn, but it's another thing to have an established relationship with them. That'll take you to the next level, especially in the sporting industry where it's quite um, competitive. Um, again, be confident in who you are, your abilities and experience. Practice articulating this. So, you know, practice the things that you you know you're good at. The best thing you can speak about and the best way to build confidence is to, to speak about the things you know and that's your experience. So, um, make sure you understand your level, um, your skills, your ability to talk about those and be humble um, but also show us you can identify your areas of improvement. Um, it's a tough market, so it's the one percenters that count. You know, you pre- from the presentation of your CV to the energy that you bring into the interview room, it's all important, um, and every effort um, goes a long way, especially within these processes and especially within sport. Fantastic. Well, Katie, we might leave it there for today, but that has been absolutely awesome to speak to you about all things 
being obviously people and culture advisor, but just so much advice that listeners out there can just take on and an action pretty much straight away. There's there's that many nuggets in there that I think people should be writing down. We always say grab a pen at the start of the episode, so there's lots to uh, jot down there. So thank you so much for giving your time to speak to us today and um, good luck for the upcoming AFL season. Thanks so much, guys. It's been so great um, to jump on and have a chat to you and uh, really, really grateful for the opportunity that I have um, to provide some insights or advice to, to people out in the market. I appreciate it's really challenging. So any um, advice or, or help that I can lend um, is, yeah, really fills me with joy and warmth. So um, thank you very much for having me as well. Alrighty, well, what an interview that was, Rube. I, I honestly think that th- there are so many bits of gold there that people can take out um, that it's ridiculous. So, I'm sure people who are listening right now has a couple of pages of notes uh, on all Katie's points, which is absolutely awesome. I've got plenty of things that I can take away from that, but how about you kick us off with uh, one thing that you, you learned? Yeah, for sure. So, I, I like... If this was me, first thing I'm doing after listening to Katie is taking my resume out and reordering my experiences based on the relevance to the role. Now, she mentioned that she had a few roles that she'd done in the past when applying for her current job at Hawthorne, but she simply just like took the meat out of it um, or took it out completely so that people focused on the most relevant positions, even if they weren't in chronological order. So, first thing I'd be doing is just editing your resume and making sure those most relevant positions, no matter at what point in time you've done them, are ranked in order. Yeah, that was some awesome advice. I think just goes to show that sort of the resume structure being really precise and to the point. And if you've just got all this sort of experience that you've had, which is great, but it's not necessarily relevant to what you're doing, it doesn't quite make that precise and sharp. Um. One thing that I loved, and actually it's three things, but it's kind of the three pillars to a great interviewee and, and sort of the, some of the preparation and also what you sort of do in the interview. Um, she have, meant- you, have you just come up with this? Is this the Ryan Walker three pillars of a great interviewee? No, I no, absolutely not. I've, I've gathered this from Katie Reid. She's the owner of this. She she probably owns the three key pillars, but I've... What I have owned oh, is the name. Katie's Pillars. Yeah, Katie's Pillars maybe. Um, I love the word pillars. I think it's great. Um, anyway, three pillars here that I took from her. Um, number one, have a lot of confidence in your interviews. Don't go in there in your shell, um, smile, be warm, be who you are, um, and that's how you'll you'll attract um you know that attention from the for the interviewers like they want to see someone who's who's confident. The second one that she mentioned was practice articulating your experience. So don't make it so the first time that you walk into the interview, the first time that you've said out loud, "This is what I've done and this is what I'm proud of. This is what I've achieved." Make sure you're practicing that and say it out loud to your mate, your dog, your housemate. Doesn't matter. Make sure you're practicing doing that on a regular basis. The third one was really be humble also. Like we don't, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to be an expert in everything. You're allowed to sort of identify those improvements in yourself. So it doesn't mean that they're going to be like, no, nah, they don't know how to do that. It's 
no, this is not, this is me identifying somewhere I can improve and I want to learn. So there were three really key points that I took out, pillars as, as I like to call them. Right? <laughs> love it. We love pillars. One, for, one more thing I might just reinforce, Ryan, is stop putting Microsoft Office on your <laughs> resume. Can we, just put it, can we put an end to that completely right now? Anybody put in Microsoft, yeah, you've only got one to two pages. Don't waste space on writing Microsoft Office because that is the minimum expectation that you have a competency in. So yeah. leave it out. It's not going to win you the job. You're expected to be able to use it. Yeah, I love that. We'll, we'll chuck a ban out there. Anyone who has yeah. it, um, yeah, remove it, get it out. Yeah. Um, even Absolutely. though it's great that you can use it. Finally, Ryan, uh, we might just mention our membership quickly. That's all kicked off uh, yesterday formally. It's been great to be able to introduce you know, new members to the new platform uh, as well as existing members to that new platform. There's a whole bank of resources on some of the things we've talked about today about uh, the best ways to structure your, your resume. And to be honest, you know, we've we've come up with this information based on what we know and what we've talked to other people about and people like Katie inform what we put out there in the membership whereby we come up with these templates and, and tools to help you do it in the best way possible. So for anyone looking for some really um, useful and concise ways of doing different things such as your job application like we've talked about today, jump onto the membership because there's a bank of resources and past webinars about the really practical how-tos for, for all that sort of stuff. So uh, head to the SportsGrade website for, for more information on that. Awesome. And we'll have all those details in our show notes as well. Um, it's a no-brainer. Um, if you haven't done it, get it done. Uh, become a member ASAP. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Hey team, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did, please share it with your friends or your classmates who also have to figure out all of this sports career stuff. As you can see, this podcast is practically a masterclass and it's free and you and your circles deserve to have it so please share it far and wide. Finally, when you're ready to make sense of tackling jobs in sport, go check out the Sports Grad Method. This is an ebook I wrote based on eight years of trying to get into the sports industry and teaching others how to do it too. All of that is condensed down into a proven process to getting jobs in sport. If you're like me and enjoy things broken out into logical steps, then I think you're going to enjoy it. To get a hold of that, download it from www.sportsgrad.com.au. Thanks again for listening. Chat to you soon.